0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Where the White Coats Come Off. We are Katie and Beth, PAs and doctors of medical science with years of experience working at PA programs, and we are on a mission to help you get accepted to PA school. There's so much noise out there about getting into PA school. There's some great advice, some not so good advice, and some downright wrong advice. And during our years working on the admissions committees of PA programs, we have seen it all. We want to help everyone with a dream of getting into PA school get accepted. So if you are a pre-PA, you are in the right place. Welcome, and we are so happy you are here to connect with you and to serve you in this way. Before we get started on today's episode, definitely check out our application to acceptance course in the show notes. This is our signature program that walks you step-by-step to creating your most competitive PA school application. From creating an outstanding personal statement to how to have the strongest CASPA experience details, what not to do in your app, and so much more, this course has it all. And you get yours truly to answer your questions along the entire way all the way to your first day of PA school. As a bonus, in this same course, we also do two rounds of live weekly coaching that walks you step-by-step step through putting together your entire application with us. There's also templates to use, our PA program directory to see which programs you match with best, and way too much to list here. But it's all inside our application to acceptance course, so definitely check that out in the show notes and get in, friend. Let's get you into PA school. Again, check it out in the show notes. Now on to today's episode.
1: Welcome, Kristen, to our podcast. Um, so, Kristen, thank you so much for being here. We are so excited to dive into the PA profession, talk about all things money, all things PA with you today.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you guys today. All right. So just to start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. So I went to PA school at Butler in Indianapolis. I was there from 2013 to 2016. Um, I had a biology degree from IPFW before going to grad school there. And then I've lived in Indianapolis ever since working as a PA. Excellent. So what specialty do you work
1: with? Uh, What type of things do you do as a PA?
2: So right now, I do pulmonary critical care. Um, I work nights, so it ends up being mostly critical care. There's not a lot of pulmonology going on at 2 in the morning. So I love that. I work 7 on, 14 off, which is crazy. I 12-hour shifts. So I would have never dreamed of working full-time nights, but I've been doing it for multiple years now, and because of that two weeks off, I love it. Previous to that, I did cardiology predominantly inpatient as well, and our structural heart team, so TAVRs, wash bins, those type of things, and generally has spent almost my whole career in the hospital. I love hospital medicine, love inpatient work, and it's my passion, and I think that's probably what I'll continue to do for the rest of my clinical years. Wow,
1: well, I really love that. You know, inpatient pulmonology, critical care, that is some intense medicine uh, and I and you started in cardiology, kind of moved to palm, which I know there's a lot of um, similarities there. But uh, is that what you knew going into PA school? Did you think, hey, I want to be uh, you know critical care or be in a specialty like that?
2: Actually, I wanted to do cardiology from the beginning. Um, I really genuinely love the medicine of cardiology. The only reason I ever changed jobs really from that was because this opportunity came up, which had. Um, a lot more in terms of procedural capabilities. So right now we're able to do where I work, central lines, arterial lines, chest tubes, intubations, uh, thoras, paras. And I didn't get to do procedures at my particular cardiology job, not true everywhere. So that was part of it, part of it was scope of practice. And then part of it was just, you know, working in a more narrow specialty. I was nervous, I was gonna lose the rest of the medicine and um, being in critical care, you still see so much medicine that I felt like my my medicine skills in particular were gonna stay stronger longer if I went and made that move.
1: Yeah, so what do you think about like the night shift? I know that some people love it, some people hate it. Obviously you're doing it right now. You
2: have for a few years. Can you give us some pros and cons about working night shift? I love it because I love the new stuff. Um, I've done obviously years of inpatient rounding. It's not that I don't like rounding. But I love the initial workup and the workup of an acute decompensation. And that is all of my shift, right? Like it's new admissions. We see decompensating patients and go to codes and do procedures. So it's, it's a lot of um, high acuity stuff and it's a lot of fresh workup, which to me is the most fun part of medicine.
1: And one other question about that, uh, you said you work seven on and then 14 off. And so I think that yep. that's amazing because it sounds like you can really like indulge in some of your passions and actually have time to do things. So what do you uh, typically do in your 14 days off?
2: Well, for one, I started this business, Strive Coaching, um, which we can talk more about in a minute. But basically, I spent a lot of my non-clinical time educating healthcare professionals on All things personal finance and trying to promote financial literacy and financial independence. Um, In addition to that, my husband and I love to travel and we just had a daughter. So I now spend a bunch of time with my currently four-month-old baby girl. Aw, congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you. you. (laughs) Well,
1: it sounds like you guys are really busy. um, And I would love to hear more about this business that you started, why you started it, and why money is such a passion for you.
2: Yeah, so I graduated like most folks, right? A lot of debt, not a lot of money knowledge. I had $161,000 in student loan debt and it was entirely from PA school. So I, like again, most people didn't put a lot of thought into that while I was in a program or especially before I was in a program. Right around the time of graduation, I decided to add it up, realized what I owed. because I really genuinely didn't even know what the total was going to be and also realized that that sort of big six-figure salary that I had been so excited about really wasn't gonna go nearly as far as I thought it was going to once those lovely taxes got taken out. And I paid this massive student loan payment for the next 10 years. So I initially decided to pay them off very quickly. Long story short, I picked up a bunch of per diem positions, which if you're not familiar, are like part-time jobs in medicine, Worked and worked and worked, spent all my time in the hospital, and um, paid off $161,000 in 16 months. So through that process, I realized, like, well, this is great. I learned some things about debt, which is a step in the right direction. But then I even finished that process and realized, I don't know what's next. I really don't know anything about money. I don't know anything about investing and what I should be doing outside of I knew, well, I should take care of my student loans. So through the process of me learning that for myself, I've learned a ton that I felt like I could share with other people and help other people along the way so that they could make wiser decisions than the ones I made. And that's ended up sort of how I got where I am now. We are avid investors now. Um, We're on track to retire in our mid forties, if we want to, and um, have done a ton of investing in the traditional stock bond market, but then also now have moved into investment real estate as well. So this is one of my passions. I love just sharing information about building wealth with other healthcare professionals so that everybody can experience financial independence for themselves, whether it's at a traditional retirement age of 65, or maybe even something sooner, you know, 45, 50, 55, depending on the person.
1: Yeah, so I absolutely love that. I love the fact that you're using your journey to talk to PAs and pre-PAs about debt because I think it's so true. You know, I was in the same boat. I graduated and then I had kind of an idea about what PA school was cost, but then you don't actually see all those um, student loans and all the interest that you pay while you're in school until you get that big number from Sally Mae and it's like, whoa, really? Like now how am I going to pay this off? And I don't know about you, but I did not get any financial classes in undergrad. I was a science major. I had no financial classes in PA school. They never really talked about it except for, you know, like, hey, make sure that you negotiate for your salary. That was literally probably the only thing they ever said about money in PA school. So I love the fact that you have this out. And I think of it almost like, like patient education, but instead of medicine, you're educating <laughs> providers <laughs> yeah. about this. So what kind of tips do you have for maybe people who are about to go into PA school or who have just been accepted into PA school about money and debt and what can they do now?
2: The number one thing is to mind your debt-to-income ratio. Very few people consider that before choosing a program in housing. And it's the, probably the most important decision you can make before graduation. So the debt-to-income ratio is essentially total student loan debt, really all debt, but total debt, total debt post-graduation. Compared to first year annual salary. So, for example, if you had a hundred thousand dollars in student loans, and your first year annual salary was going to be a hundred thousand dollars, you would have a debt to income ratio of one, right, one to one. What ends up happening is people pick their PA school for a whole host of reasons. By the way, when I say people, I'm including myself. Um, for a whole host of reasons, you know, where the rotations are going to be, what the curriculum looks like, and they totally skip on considering money in their plan and really the school that you choose is the number one driver of your debt to income ratio after graduation. So that should be a huge decision and if you've already selected a school and you're looking at you know do I have a roommate, do I not have a roommate, do I live on campus or close to campus, those are the big decisions that ultimately drive the big number at the end. When you have a debt to income ratio of one or even under you're in a situation post-graduation where you can make a reasonable plan to pay off your debt and invest and not feel severely crunched financially. When you start to see debt to income ratios of three to one, four to one, five to one, those are situations where either you're forced to look into these loan forgiveness programs if you qualify, or you just start feeling a major squeeze and it becomes very difficult for you to advance down the money journey that you should be on post-graduation because the debt will, will sort of crush you. Um, so picking that in advance, choosing that in advance. I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, look, you know, I got into this p- program, that's my dream program, the dream, dream program, but I'm gonna owe 400K when I'm done. Versus I got into this other program, it's a state school, good program, fully accredited, established rotations, but it's not the dream, dream, dream. And, you know, that's a decision that no one can make for you. But what I have done in the past is just say, okay, well, let's run the numbers. Let's look at what your student loan payment will be for each of these plans post-graduation for each of these schools. And then let's compare that to your salary, right? Because your salary is not going to change substantially depending on where you graduate from. That's just the fact. So then you go, okay, am I comfortable with a student loan payment that's two-thirds of my take-home pay for the dream school, or am I more comfortable going over here, even though it's not like, you know, the school I fantasized about when I was five, but my student loan payment's now 20% of my take-home pay. And then you have an objective way to decide, you know, which what matters more to me and do the pros outweigh the cons. It's not that everyone should choose their school entirely based on money, but ignoring money and only choosing based on everything else is a big mistake.
1: Yeah, I think that this is a really great point to make because we've actually had students email us too and said, hey, you know, I want to go to this school, but it's 180K and this school is, you know, 100K and they, they ask us what we think about that. And so you can get some really, really expensive schools out there. So I think you're right. That should be part of the picture, not the only thing. But what you said is totally true, that you're not gonna make a difference in pay based on where you graduated from. And, and people have this idea like, oh, if I graduate from this school versus a state school, like it's gonna affect the rest of my life. And we try to tell them that when you graduate and you pass your boards, you are a PAC, right? So you want the same level as everybody else who just passed your boards. And then really it's based on experience, right? It's based on what you can do, what procedures, what things you know where you've worked and it's really really hard because i think in some careers it does matter like maybe you get your mba from harvard that might open some doors for you but in the pa profession it's it's different in medicine it's hey you graduated here you're a pac just like everybody else who graduated we kind of started on the same floor and so i really love that that you mentioned that and of course people have reasons for going or for wanting to go to certain schools and again that's personal that's great but i love the fact that you're like hey you're going to be a pac at the end of it because that's what we always say like you're going to be a pac if you graduate and pass your board so you know, don't worry so much about trying to go to the most prestigious school or something like that. Cause in PA school, it's all about, you want to get a good education and you want to get out there and start practicing. Exactly. This is awesome. Kristen, what are some of the resources that you have available for our listeners? If they're interested in talking more about money, understanding their financial situation, whether they're about to graduate, about to start PA school, they're thinking about applying and they want some help discussing things.
2: Yeah, so first head to my website, um, it's www.strivewithkristin.com. I have a free guide for pre-PEA or really pre-healthcare professional students to help them navigate some of the money stuff going into a program. That's a free download. Um, I also have an ebook that's sort of a brief truncated version of how to approach creating a multifactorial money plan. And then my signature course, Money Bootcamp for White Coats, is designed for people that are about to graduate in the next year or have been out for a few years to help them really dive into creating a multifactorial plan that includes figuring out their student loan debt, their other debt, saving, and then most importantly, investing to build wealth for their future.
1: And to our listeners, we're going to link these things down in the comments below. So if you need to get in touch with Kristen, talk about money, you can find it there. Just a few more questions we have for you because, again, we love talking about money and we get questions all the time from our listeners. Um, So one of the things that they ask about all the time is – some of them already have student debt, right? So they're in kind of where you were when you first graduated, all this debt, they don't know what to do. And a lot of them just say, I'm so overwhelmed with it, I'm just gonna go with the minimum payments and just, just I'll never get out of debt and I'm okay with that and I'm just all about the minimum payments because it's just, they feel so overwhelmed and stressed and they don't feel like they have the tools they need. So can you talk a little bit
2: about why you don't recommend doing the minimum payments on your student loans? Well, sometimes that is the right answer, but it's not the right answer just because you're overwhelmed and you're not sure what to do. So I get that. I get the overwhelm, right? When I was in that exact same position, like I remember the feeling exactly like it was yesterday. I could have just vomited all over the dining room table. It was just like this soul crushing feeling of like, I'm never going to get out from under this weight, But the first thing you need to do to get rid of the feeling part of that or at least minimize it is to actually walk through a money plan, like a written plan of what you're going to do for your loans and for the rest of money, right? Because life costs money and maybe you're moving or maybe you need to replace your car or you're getting married and all of those things have to fit in. So you need a budget that tells you where money can go each month and then you need a written money plan. Now, for some people paying off their loans at lightning speed is the right answer. I've been very public about my journey and that I made some mistakes by doing that. And I wish I would have gone back and invested a little bit more along the way, but I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. So I did the best I could with the information I had. So if you have you know, high interest private student loans, and for whatever reason you haven't or can't refinance them, paying them off very, very quickly May be the perfect approach if you have low interest private student loans or federal loans that for example have zero interest right now then a multifactorial money plan that involves investing and addressing your student loan debt may be more appropriate so the big driver of the decision is actually the interest rate on your loans so when you go to decide you know should i do the minimum payment or should i make these huge payments and get them done quickly That is is an objective decision based on numbers, based on your budget, based on your interest rate. Don't make the decision just based on emotion and the feeling of like, gosh, this is overwhelming. I don't know. I'm just going to pay whatever bill they send me in the mail. Um, But again, you know, for some people paying off the student loans slower, whether it's because you're investing heavily or because you're doing PSLF or something like that, it can make sense. Not Paying off your loans as fast as humanly possible, again, was my plan, but it's definitely not the strategy that every single human being should be doing.
1: So I know you talked about investing, we talked about student loans, but what about retirement? Where does that fit in? Does that fit in with investment or where do you consider that in the grand scheme?
2: Yeah, so really the beginning part of investing is mandatory for all of us to retire normally, right? The days of pensions have pretty much gone. So for the average Joe, you're going to be paying for your retirement. You may have Social Security. It's very hard to project, what that would look like multi-decades down the line. But even if you're looking at today's dollars, the average Social Security payment is like somewhere around 18000 I think last year the year before it might have been 19000 So that's, at least for me, not enough to live off of. Now, of course, your Social Security payment varies by how much you pay in. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's not hundred thousand dollars a year and so if you're used to spending a hundred thousand dollars a year in your household you're going to be in a world of hurt so you have to invest to create the rest of what's going to be your retirement and that's for any of us to retire at a traditional age with dignity when we can afford our necessities and afford our health care now of course you can invest heavily and you can retire early or travel the world or buy a beach house or do whatever it is you want to do with money. That's the great part about money is it's really sort of personalized to you. But the, at the core, at the very beginning is you simply investing enough money to cover your necessities. So I like to talk about investing because it's really, really fun, but ultimately it's not an option, <laughs> right? We all are going to be in that same situation where you, you can't work forever, but you will likely live a decent amount of time passed that can't work anymore time and that costs money. So investing is how we get there, but, um, investing more or you know, being more financially intentional can really open up a lot of doors.
1: Yeah. I love you mentioned the work for everything. Cause I actually have quite a few colleagues, PAs that that's their plan. They're like, well, I'm just going to work forever. I'll just work, you know, full-time forever. And then I work part-time or PRN and, And in my thought, you know, you're blessed and have a long life that when you're 80, you know, you might not want to work or you might not have the energy to work or you might have great grandkids or something like that. So I love the fact that you're like, hey, let's just be realistic about this, that there's probably going to be a time in your life where eventually retirement, if we're blessed, and then we're going to have years after that. So to start thinking about it now, because I remember when I graduated from PA school you know, people I graduated from college with have been working full time since 18. And so you graduate from PA school at 25 or 26. And then I did a postgraduate fellowship. And so I was even a year older than that. And so they've already been almost investing for 10 years by the time that, you know, I started. Um, And my first couple jobs, I didn't have 401ks. That wasn't part of the package. And so it's, it's amazing to think like, wow, I'm like 10 years behind these people who, who already started 10 years ago. So I think it's really important to learn about money because we are going to be high income earners as PAs, but we're going to have a lot of debt. We're going to start a little bit later than maybe other people. I know. And when I was in PA school, we weren't allowed to work. We actually had to sign a a sheet saying we will not work in PA school because it's you know so rigorous and so I just love the fact that you're being so proactive about this you're reaching out to you know whether you're in school whether you already have the debt whether you're planning on having the debt like let's get a plan because PAs are really really type A and we're really smart people and we're really dedicated and passionate and if we have a plan like we will work that plan but the problem is is that we don't have a plan because no one talks about money. You know, we're science majors. We're, we're interested in medicine. And, and sometimes I think we do forget that financial aspect. So I just love what you're doing. I think it's so important. I love the fact that, you know, even if you don't want to retire early, and I want the listeners to understand this, even if you don't want to retire early, you want to work for a long time because you love your job, just Being able to choose what you want to do, just being having the freedom that you have the power in your job and you're working because you want to and not working because you have to, I think is so, so, so important.
2: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, we work in medicine and we take care of a lot of the geriatric population. So I think the more that we all get out and work and see these patients, the more we realize that the decision not to work a lot of times isn't optional, Mm -hmm. right? Like you have to have a health that allows you to do that. And that's just not the case for everyone. So being financially prepared uh, is extremely important.
1: Yes, I love that. That's such a great great thought because I do have a lot of colleagues I know who were forced to retire early because of medical reasons. So, yeah, even if you that's your plan, uh, life doesn't yes. always work out that way. So I love that. All right. So we talked a little bit about um, your book and your website, but are there any other places like social media where our listeners can find you and that way they can follow you and all the amazing advice that you're giving?
2: Yes. I'm but my main thing is Instagram. I'm at strive with Kristen. Um, I'm on there all the time. I try to post stuff almost every single day, answer all the DMs. So if you have any questions, that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me.
1: Well, Kristen, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We're super excited to have you. I just think that money is something that people don't talk about enough when it comes to PA school. We know we're going to have a lot of debt, but we're also going to be high income earners. So Teaching people to use that for your for themselves and create a healthy, happy life. Very excited about that. And as always, all the links will be in the low, listeners. Thank you so much, Kristen, for being on our podcast today.
2: Thank you for having me. Really, really appreciate your
1: time.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are so excited for your future as a PA. If you're serious about getting accepted to PA school, then check out our private coaching package, which includes everything you need to be the most competitive, strongest applicant. Our private coaching clients have incredible success land multiple interviews and acceptances. So definitely check this out. It includes personal statement editing, CASPA app editing, CASPA experience, details, templates, mock interview, private Zoom sessions with us, virtual PA shadowing hours, basically everything you need for your PA school application. Your future is too important to cut corners. So if you are ready to go all in on your dream of becoming a PA, sign up in the show notes. Your future PA self will thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off, and we can't wait to see what your future holds. We'll catch you at the next episode.